Uh, we were sitting in VBS a couple of weeks ago, and I was just listening to some of the stories that were being told, and uh, it just it kind of made me chuckle a little bit. That I, it, it dawned on me that there's, in some cases, only parts of the story that we tell, and in other cases, there's some characters we're never going to talk about in VBS. And if you read the Bible long enough, you understand that it's because there's some really awful things that are written in the Bible. And it's actually, it's one of the reasons why I love the Bible, because it doesn't shy away from humanity. It doesn't shy away from the fact that there's, there's good and evil, and it doesn't shy away from the fact that sometimes good people do extremely bad things. Right? I love those type of movies. I love the type of movies that when you're watching, or, or, or now, I, I love that they've expanded movies into like miniseries, so you get a whole lot more, but I, I love when you start out hating a character, and then four or five episodes in, you're like, that's my guy. That's my favorite one. The first time that happened to me was, uh, I don't know, I don't know how old it was, probably a decade ago, when the Prison Break series came out. And I don't know if you watched that or not, but it was just, it would play with your emotions because you'd sit there and you'd go, I'm rooting for the guys that are in prison. That's weird. But it was written in such a way that you were for the guys that had done these horrible things and you were against the guys, the good guys, that were, you know, they, they were trying to keep them in jail, that were trying to make sure that, that peace was kept. Every now and then you'll get a character that starts out good. And, and you love the guy and then, and then you're rooting for him and then you find out he's evil. And there were little hints that went all along throughout the story up to that point but you overlooked the hints because you really liked the guy. You know, I say it like this sometimes, like when I'm watching a blues game, my guys, they're not dirty, right? If, if something happens, I, I, can, I can catch every single offense that happens to the blues, but my guys, no. And that was a bad call that you made, by the way, against, you know, it, it's just, once we get to rooting for somebody, it's hard for us to see the evil in them. But you know that in your life, if someone were to tell the story of your life, there's parts of it that you'd be really proud of, and then there's parts that you would hope that they would leave out. I hope that they don't talk about the time that I, I hope that they leave out the time that I, you don't want that. Because we want to appear like we're good. And in, in our lives, it's not so much a story of good versus evil, it's a story of good and evil. And hopefully that we have the attitude that, 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 that John the Baptist had whenever he was confronted by some of his disciples. They were going, well, aren't you bugged that more and more people are going to Jesus and they're not coming to you? And do you remember what his response was? More of him and less of me. What we need to be is a people that that's our attitude. There was a time before you were a follower of Jesus that it wasn't, there wasn't any of Jesus. It was all of me and none of thee. And then hopefully, as you became a follower of Jesus or as you become a follower of Jesus, that that, 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 that balance shifts to where at one point, like I said, it was all of me and none of thee, but to at some point it becomes less of me and more of him, to hopefully at some point it gets, and I don't think we're ever going to get there on this side of eternity, but none of me 
and all of thee. But ours is a story, just like so many people that we read about in the Bible, ours is a story of good and evil versus evil. But the problem is that the, 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 the devil, the tempter, Satan, whatever you want to call him, he's got some tricks. He's got a tool book, a toolbox. And he, all the way back to the garden, it's where he began to, 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 to lay them out. If you brought a Bible, you can go and open it up to Genesis chapter 3. But every character that we read about in the Bible, or if you were to if you begin at the beginning and, and, and go through it, it's the same tricks that he plays over and over and over again. And even in our story, there's some lies that he's trying to get us to believe that if we'll listen to his whispers, we'll fall into the same kind of evil, the same kind of messes that we see these people that we see our heroes, our heroes in Scripture fall into. And so I'm going to start reading, and I'm going to read about, uh, I don't know, eight verses or so, ten verses, and then we're going to talk about this this morning. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, for you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the, that the, that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, I find this so funny because Eve does the same thing that, 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 that we do. She falls into uh, the temptation that, that the devil lays for her. I like that the, the little the uh, the, the uh, verse six. It says, "When the woman saw the fruit of the tree, that it, it was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining knowledge." Isn't that what we do when we really want to do something? We begin to make excuses for why we should do the thing. Like I've told you guys, I've confessed before. I've got a weakness for Apple products, and every time Apple puts something new out, it's like. You know, if I got that, Kim, I, you know, I would be a better husband because the date book's going to be more efficient and I'd be able to keep track of my appointments and I'd be home sooner to help you with the kids and I'd be a better pastor because it's going to be easier for me to, to read my Bible on this thing and write my sermons and, and it just everything's going to be better. Right? We begin to make excuses for the thing that we want to do. Well, through this story, that's, that's, that is one of, but this, these are the lies that Satan gets us to buy into his schemes. And he doesn't have to make up any new ones because we keep falling for the old ones. See, for God to win in your life, what he has to do is he has to get you to keep your eyes on him. For the devil to win in your life, he doesn't have to get you to get your eyes on him. He has, just has to get you to get your eyes off of 
God. If he can get you looking anywhere else long enough, he's going to win. And so as, as, as we're, we're, we're walking through this this morning, what I want you to do is I want you to find yourself in the story. What are the lie or lies, maybe it's all five, what, which ones do you find yourself being more susceptible to? Because at times, all of us need to confess, I am Adam. I am Eve. I allow myself to be deceived. So the five lies. The, right, he, uh, well, let's, let's 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 back up just a little bit. So you guys, you guys, if you've been in church for a while, you know the story that, that, that you know chapters one and two are creation, and that God created the world that we live in, and He created uh, the systems that we get to exist in, so that it can sustain life for us. And then on day six, He began. He He, he formed a man out of, of of the dirt, and He breathed life into it. And that man, he began to exist on earth. And God says that God placed him in a garden. He began to tend the garden. And I don't know if God had already created all the animals or he was still going to create some, but he began the process of bringing the animals to the man. And the man would name them. And then the animal would go on their way. Maybe some of them stayed in the garden. Maybe some of them didn't. But so day after day, there would be animals coming and he would name the, the animals and then they would go away or more animals would come and he would name the animals. And, and over time, that, 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 that either uh, Adam began to feel lonely, we don't know, or maybe God looked down and saw there's, there was something missing in Adam's life. And so he created a, a woman, a companion uh, to, 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 to live with him. And Together, they began to tend the garden and they began to build a family. But what we don't know is how long it was between that happening and the, her listening to the serpent. See, in DBS, we make it seem like it's bam, 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 bam. But if somebody came to you today and said, hey, you know, uh, uh, try this. If you knew them, maybe, but if you didn't, um, who are you? Why are you offering me something? I, there's a bit of skepticism that we have. And so this, what I'm about to say, isn't in the scripture, but it's how I imagine this going on. I imagine one day Adam and Eve were out tending the garden, and all of a sudden the serpent it slithers up to Eve and says, how's your day? And it's a bit odd to have an animal talking to you, and so she's, um, good. I guess. And then the serpent just goes, hey, I hope you have a fantastic week. And then takes off. And Eve doesn't see it again for, I don't know, two or three or four days. And then one day it comes back up to her. How's your week been? And she goes, well, it's, it's going pretty good. I'm having a great, we're, 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 we're growing the west side of the garden right now. We're over there tending the west side. You know, you should come check it out sometime. And, 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 and yeah, it's, 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 everything seems to be going fantastic. How's your day going? And then, you know, a little relationship gets formed. A little give and take. And then the serpent takes off. And then a few days later, he comes back and he's super encouraging. I went to the west side and it looks fantastic. I hope that you guys do the same kind of thing on the east side of the garden. And he's loving and he's encouraging. And he's finding a way in. And again, I know that's not in the scripture. It's just what I imagine happening. But we have no idea how long this take took. But what I want to tell you this morning is the devil's got 
time. He's not in a hurry. In fact, you know how much time he has? He's got your whole life to get you off track. If you became a Christian or a follower of Jesus when you were young, he's got a long time to work with you. If you haven't been, he's got a long time to ensnare you, to trap you. He's got time. He's patient. And while he's working on you, he's weaving these five lies into the conversation. Here's the first one. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? See, one day he comes up and she's just doing her thing and it's not odd for the serpent to be around anymore, so she's not being skeptical towards him. And he just drops this line on her. Did God really say? I mean, we're friends, right? You know, me, you know, the serpent, and, and he, we're, we're friends now. I just got a question. You know, I, I noticed that, that, that sometimes God shows up. Did he really say? See, it's funny to me. I, I, you know, Gwynny and, and, and Willow, they love to build things with me. And Caleb and Haley used to, but they've gotten too cool for that as they've gotten older. And so we've built all kinds of things. We've built trebuchets, and uh, we've done a lot of like Lego castles, and boats, and, and, and airplanes, and, and stuff. And they just, they, they eat it up. They love it. And I've noticed that we'll sit there, and we'll scour over the instructions that they have, and then, uh, and then sometimes it's, 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 it's a bit difficult because the pieces, the colors of the actual pieces are a little bit different from the colors in the instructions. And so you're going, is this the right piece? I'm not sure. And, and there's, uh, there's a lot of attention that's, that's, that's given to us. You have to really focus and you have to really, like sometimes you're like, I just can't find that piece. And you're just going over and you're going over all the pieces again. And, and it's just, it, it, it takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of time. I've noticed other times we've gotten pieces of furniture from places like Ikea. And that's the place where you go and when you buy it, it's all in a small box and you got to put it together. And, and, and sometimes the, 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 uh, the, the, the translation is difficult to understand, especially for like technical instructions. And you're doing the best that you can and you're trying to follow the pictures and you're trying to put it together. And it's difficult. You've really got to pay attention. And then we come to the instructions that God gave us. Did God really say? And we're like, huh. And we don't give it the same kind of attention. We don't give it the same kind of focus. We don't give it the same kind of trying to search and find out to make sure that we put the right piece in the right, in the, in, in the right hole. Did God really say that I'm supposed to love everybody? I know that he said that, but I don't think that's what he meant. I think this piece over here that says, I just need to love the people that love me. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Or did God really say that what power looks like is not stepping on people, it's not puffing myself up, it's not being able to tell people what to do, but God really, did God, God surely did not mean power looks in the form of, of a towel, washing feet. I know he said that, but surely he didn't mean that. Did God really say I'm supposed to serve people that, that would not even look twice at me? Right? Did he really? No. I, 
I know he said that, but is that what he meant? I'm really supposed to serve people that if I do, if I lower myself to them, they're going to look down on me and and then I'm going to feel weird and they're going to feel weird. Did God really say that? Well, he might have said that, but that's, that's not what he meant. Right? See, this is the first lie that Satan just, he drops on Adam and Eve. And we fall for it when we're not diligent to go, oh no, that's what God said. And then we have a choice. Which voice are you going to listen to? Did God really say? See, there's a second part to this first lie that says, did God really say to you? Like, who do you think that you are? That God, would, that, that, that God the, the guy that created all this stuff, really? He's going to talk to you? Well, yeah. And if you believe that, you're looked at as weird by a world that looks at horoscopes and fortune cookies. Ain't that weird? See, it's funny to me. There used to be this thing on TV. I mean, you'd see the phone numbers for psychic hotlines, and then they all went out of business. Don't you think they should have saw that coming? Right? Or if you, like, when we travel to, when we travel to Florida, and, and, and there's all these places that will, that will, like, read your palm or tarot cards or, or whatever. It's not just Florida. It's all over the place, I imagine. But I just, I just notice them whenever I'm on vacation. And they're all, like, in, like, like rundown shacks. And I'm like, if I was going to go to a, a, a guy that was going to read my fortune, I'm not going to the one in the rundown shack, right? I'm going to go to the one in the mansion, right? Because they should have seen... But it's, 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 it's weird. And we're the ones that are looked at weird when we say that, that we believe that we have a heavenly father that loves us, that he created life, and then he gave us instructions, and that he promises that if we'll live the way that his instructions say, that we're going to have a better life regardless of our circumstances. But we live in a time that says, follow the science. Yes. I 100% agree. But it's weird that some of the people with degrees get rejected by people that don't have degrees. And that we're supposed to trust the people that don't have degrees, rejecting people that do have degrees. We're supposed to take their... I'm like, come on. But we're the weird ones. Did God really say? Did God really say... To you? The woman said to the serpent, well, let's let's go back. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See, the second lie that he drops on Eve is not really a lie. It's just kind of a little twist. Somehow he knew, maybe he heard Adam and Eve talking about it. I don't know how he knew. Maybe he was there. Maybe he was hiding when God gave Adam this, 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 the, the command. Do whatever you want. Have fun. Enjoy. Just don't eat from that one tree. Maybe he was there. But did God really say, you can't eat from any tree? Just a little twist. Get Adam and Eve thinking. Cast a little more doubt. See, the second lie, it's, it's this idea that we're 
experiencing right now that if you don't agree with everything that, 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 that I say, then you must, you must hate me. That, if, that, 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 that it's this idea that, that you can't like different things and like each other. And it's a lie. See, I have people, my, my, my little girls especially, they know I don't, I'm not a big fan of chocolate. So they'll bring me chocolatey things and say, Dad, you're going to love this. And I think it's funny because I'm going to go, no, no, thank you. And it's, they, they really get surprised. What I think is funny is to grab their thing and start eating it and go, oh, it is so good because they don't expect that. Right? But, but they know that we can like different foods and still like each other and still love each other. But for some reason, in other areas, it just doesn't seem to work out that way. And it's not, it's, it's, when you get political, both sides do this to you. I want to make sure that I, uh, how did I put it here? Hmm, I'm sorry. If you vote this way, you don't care about human rights. You're hurting me. That's one side. Another side says if you vote that way, or there's no way that you can vote that way and still be a follower of Jesus. Both sides try to bully you into voting the way that they want you to. It's a lie. I can vote different than you and love you. I can. I can disagree with you on any number of topics and still love you. It's funny talking to Kim because I can tell when she gets, just gets quiet and stops talking to me that we're about to have a disagreement. And you know what? We still exist in the same house. I don't know how it is for you guys. But we don't see everything the same way. But that's this lie. I had a conversation with Caleb and Haley this week. We, had, we, 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 tried, uh, uh, we were having dinner, and um, I don't know what prompted it. I just had this, I don't know, feeling, uh, God talking to me. It's what I would assume. But I just, you know, we were sitting there talking at dinner time, and I just, you know, said that, hey, you know, you guys are getting older and you're going to begin to make decisions that are going to affect you for the rest of your life. And some of those decisions I'm going to like and some of those decisions I'm not going to like. And even if you make decisions that I'm not going to like, you're always going to be welcome in my house. Some of you have parents have experienced that. But I also said, as long as you live in my house, there's a standard that we're going to have. And this is the standard. It's how I expect you to behave. It's how I expect you to treat each other. But let me tell you right up front, at times, every one of the six of us are going to break that standard. Not just you. I'm going to break it. And I'm the one that set the standard. And I, they know that it's true because they have come here enough to hear, see me get up on stage 
and say to you guys, I broke the standard I set this week. It just is what it is. And they still love me. And I still love them. See, Satan's lie says, if you don't agree with everything, then we can't be in relationship anymore. And it's just simply not true. You can't eat from any tree in the garden. And what Eve should have said was, no, that's not what he said, and just stopped. But she didn't. She replied, no, 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 no. That's not what God said. God didn't say we couldn't eat from any tree. He said I couldn't eat from that tree. But then she added to that. She overstepped her bounds. She said, no, he said we can't eat from that tree, but we shouldn't even touch it. Touch it. She over, overstepped. That's not what God said. He just said don't eat from the tree. And we fall into this lie so easily in, in, in church world. So the Bible says don't get drunk, and we go, don't drink. It doesn't say that anywhere. We say we've turned modesty, which is the wrong word, but we've turned modesty in don't let your pants be behind. You know, shorter than your fingertips or your knees or I don't know what it, what, it, what it was for you guys. That's not what he said. And I say it's the wrong word because modesty was about not wearing, not showing off your wealth, not wearing jewelry. Shamefastedness is the word. But we've, we've turned that into something that, 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 look, God said, fit in. Not the problem. That's incorrect. God said, don't be gaudy. And God said, be shamefastedness. Don't show off. That's the word I was looking for. Have you ever heard a sermon on not dancing? I've seen smiles. That came from the idea of lustidiousness. I don't know if you remember hearing that as a part of it. But if you look up the word lustidiousness, it doesn't mean not to dance in any any of the definitions. We overstep. And when we overstep, when we create rules, and then we break our rule, we assume we've broken God's rule. And then why try? Right? Once you sin doing something, it becomes so much easier to do it again. But if Satan can just get you to believe that you've broken God's command, then you stop trying as much. And you stop caring as much. And it's not long before you do break what God said. This is the third lie. But God did say you must not eat from, any, from, from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or, 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 or you will die. You will certainly not die. Here's the next one. There's not any consequences to your sin. You're going to sin. It's going to happen. It's not that big of a deal. We want to believe that, don't we? I'm not affecting anybody else. What I do doesn't matter. I'm not hurting anyone. We want to believe that. And it's a lie. 
every time you do overstep your bounds, every time you do sin, you're affecting somebody. See, this is what the, uh, the non-shaming movement is about. And I agree, shaming people, it doesn't work. It doesn't help anything at all. But it's what that's about. It's about, look, people have, they commit actions, and then there's no consequences for those actions. I'm going to love you regardless. I'm, nobody's going to shame you. No, I'm not going to let anybody shame you. Doesn't that sound a lot like what we're supposed to be? But for so long, the church has been, if you do that, then I don't want anything to do with you. See, it's amazing to me that every like 12-step program we have, people that find success, or people do find success in them, because they are existing in a non-shaming community. But somewhere along the way, we bought into the lie that it's okay to shame, that it's okay to look down on, that it's okay to cast aside those that don't agree with us. See, we are supposed to be the people that say, yes, there are consequences to your actions, but not loving you isn't one of them. I'm going to give you room to grow. When you take the other approach, the there's no consequences, and we just let people, they just let people go and go and go and self-destruct, and that don't work either. But somewhere along the way, we've got to start stop buying into the lie that says there are no consequences. There are. And I'm not going to shame you, but I am going to love you. And that's the fourth lie. See, there's this uh, kid's song. Have you guys ever heard this? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Yeah? I'm not going to, I was going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. We'll embarrass everybody. But there's about five verses, six verses. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above, he's looking down in love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Be careful, little mind, what you think. See, we sing this to kids we sing it with kids and we teach it to kids because we want them to understand there's consequences, but maybe we should sing that in here sometime. Because while we don't want to believe there's consequences to our actions, there still are. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. There are consequences to your choices. You won't surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. See, the next eye is, uh, the next lie, eye, I'm stuck on eyes and ears, and the next lie is that God's holding out on you. Have you ever prayed for something and then not gotten it and been completely disappointed in God? 
God, I prayed and I prayed. And so we'll do the thing where we try to manipulate God. I fasted. I just didn't pray. I fasted. I, I, I read my Bible, God, and you're not giving me the thing that we want. And we believe God's holding out on us. But then we've also had the other experience to where we prayed and God gave us the thing that we asked for. And then six months later, we hated the thing that we asked for that God gave us. Has that ever happened to you too? I've got a friend who's constantly getting a new job because he'll pray and God will give him a new job and he's all fired up. I talk to him six, how's it going? I hate my job. I hate my job. And I'm like, but then what happens, God in his foreknowledge, he looks down on that and he goes, okay, I got blamed when I didn't give you something you were going to hate. I gave you the thing and I got blamed when I gave you the thing. And so next time when God goes, yeah, this isn't going to work out for them. I just, I, I know it's not going to be a good fit. I got a better foot fit if they'll just wait, but they want this thing. I know if I give it to them, we think that he's holding out on us again. That's what Satan, it's the lie that Satan's trying to get Adam and Eve to buy into. He says, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes are going to be opened. And once they did, they were. And it didn't have the effect they thought it was going to, did it? See, that's the fourth lie. We believe, Satan tries to get us to believe that God's going to hold out on us. When you eat of that, and go back to my, you know, what I said initially, that every time that I believe that I'm going to be a better pastor because i got a new piece of technology, it's the same old Chris you get. Same old husband. Because it never quite works out. Here's the last one. We'll get you out of here. He says that you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Was that he, you're going to have power. You're going to be like God. You're going to be able to draw your own conclusions. Isn't that what we want? Independence? Or Americans? I don't need anybody else. I pull myself up on my bootstraps. And it's a lie. See, the truth is, is that we're all going to worship something. It might be a person. It might be a thing. Make sure what you decide to worship is big enough to handle your worship. Some people worship themselves. I'm going to do what I want, when I want to do it, whenever I want to do it. You're too small to worship. So am I. See, we live in a world that says you get to be your own standard. Do what makes you happy. Life's too short Don't you know to, to, to not do what you want. You're your own God. You know what good is from evil. You know what right is from wrong. And the same people that say that have a tape measure. That somebody else has wrote a standard and imposed on them. Ain't that silly? And so Satan's lie says, You're your own standard, and God says, I gave you a standard. And to prove that I'm not holding out on you, to prove that the standard can be lived up to, I'm going to give you my son. God's not holding out on you. He says, there is a standard. 
And when you fail it, like we all do, I still love you. He says, I'm not mad at you. I think when we willingly fail the standard, when we willingly sabotage ourselves, when we willingly don't live up to the standard that we know that, that, that God set for us, I think we disappoint God. And then I think he begins wooing us back in, like the father of the prodigal son. God's not trying to get you out. He's trying to find a way to get you back into a right relationship with him. He's trying to restore the garden. And we get to choose as we live our lives. Are we going to listen to this other little voice? Or are we going to listen to the voice of our Heavenly Father? Every time you break the standard, you're buying into one of these lies. And as you read the Bible, every time somebody ruins their life or does something that's evil, right? our great heroes of the faith, people like David who fought Goliath and then stole Bathsheba, he's buying into a lie. Every single time through all the pages. And so this morning, I hope that as I pray here in just a second, that you'll confess as, as I will, God, yeah. I am Adam. I am Eve. And then what we're going to do is we're going to strive and we're going to beg God and we're going to ask him, please make your voice clear to me because that's the one that I actually want to follow. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're so grateful that you never give up on us. God, help us to have the humility to admit we are Adam. I am Adam or I am Eve, that I, 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 I want to be deceived at times, that sometimes I'm looking at something and it seems more appealing than what you say. But God, help us to have the wisdom to hear the right voice, to focus on the right voice, and help us to have the courage to follow that voice because you promised that's where we're going to find blessing and that's where we're going to find you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.